Today is January 28th. It is 9-12 a.m. here Central Standard Time, and it is Satoshi Saturday. So Griff's such a humble guy, he's not going to tell you, but he did win Rookie of the Year uh, of his company. Dude is absolutely crushing it in outside sales. And so, uh, Griff, we'll put your phone number down in the uh, description so everybody can shoot you a text. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just got to tell everybody, man, Griff has gotten after it and has won Rookie of the Year for his company. That's pretty damn cool, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate the not letting me be humble about it. But me and Nick are Bitcoiners. So honestly, maybe I should be good at sales. Maybe we should all Bitcoiners should be good at sales because honestly, it's about uh, I just attribute all the success to our Saturdays and just getting up every week, doing it on Saturday, talking about Bitcoin. And maybe we actually just literally Satoshi Saturday our way through a bear market. And now here we are. Man, I'm telling you, that's what we did. I mean, how many Saturdays did we get up when the price was continuing to go down? And we got up talking about the fundamentals. What Seriously. is true of Bitcoin? Hey. We're here, baby. We're here for the real deal. We're not just we're not just here for a good time. We're here for a long time, right? That's what we're trying to say. That's what we're trying to say. We've been trying to say this. Lowering, we're lowering time preference, and we are preferring tomorrow versus today so that we can create generational wealth, so that we can create generational impact. Griff, let's hash out some of this Bitcoin, uh, some of these Bitcoin stories from this past week, man. Let's get into it. Bitcoin is booming. I mean, when it comes to Bitcoin mining, when it comes to Bitcoin and legislation, when it comes to Bitcoin and transactions, even this week, uh, things are happening. And I definitely it is an attestment to uh, this is all only happening because every 10 minutes, this protocol continues to dispense rewards and people keep mining for it. And I believe it was actually this week we got to our 800 millionth transaction on the Bitcoin network. And it's pretty crazy because this is long before Nick and I even got into Bitcoin. Bitcoin was working. You know, Nick and I are relatively new, new to the space when it comes to Bitcoiners, guys who just are like, hey, a lot of this is noise. Bitcoin is the only signal. And Nick's 100 percent right. But Jack Mahler's announced that a Clover partnership, which is a payment service terminal that has about mm -hmm. 6 million customers. So they will soon be able to actually either you can go there and pay with Bitcoin or you can go there. And you can pay with cash or whatever currency the payment terminal is in. It's on a 90 day, uh, I think, pro or 90 day like pilot period. But they're basically going to measure like, well, is this cheaper? Is this like better for my business? If I didn't have to pay taxes on money, so to speak, if I didn't have to pay taxes on the sale of the Bitcoin, well, would this be better for my business? So that was going on. In Nigeria, Bitcoin, we already reported, we kept reporting on this story, Nigeria, limited fiat withdrawals. But they're now selling Bitcoin at a premium in Nigeria. Bitcoin in Nigeria is like 37,000 US dollars because they can't get paper money. So they don't want the government's money. They want to use Bitcoin. Um, I Like I had said, Bitcoin legislation is fully underway. The White House, you can say they were fighting it. They Truly, if you read that, they just don't understand what's going on still. It uh, seems like Ted Cruz is trying to get vending machines uh, Bitcoinable in Congress. Like that actually matters. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but uh, good for them. I know Mississippi is legislating. Um, basically, people have the right to own and operate a node in a mine, which if you're an American at all, absolutely. The very minimum, people have the right to do so. Uh, so Bitcoin and legislation is fully underway. I know Dennis Porter 
uh, took a lot of flack for that Satoshi Action Fund. But shout out to the Satoshi Action Fund. Anything you're doing on Bitcoin, in my opinion, is pretty much good for Bitcoin. Why? It's an open network. This is a free country. Bitcoin is free country. You do what you want. Uh, you're not going to be able to mess with the constitution of Bitcoin, but you you can come in and do whatever you want. You can act. You can get on your knees for politicians. I think that they should really be starting to understand the Bitcoin more than anything else. Uh, you know, with the debt cycle and pretty much everybody calling out the Fed. How much pressure can the government put on the Fed, Nick, moving forward? I mean, like everybody and their mother is going, well, the Fed sucks, the Fed sucks, the Fed sucks. And it's like, hey, guys, like uh, at a certain point, they're going to have a press conference and go, yeah, we're cutting off the U.S. government <laughs> or, or like we can't do this anymore. But anyway, legislation in Bitcoin is fully, fully underway. Tesla never sold in Q4. That was announced actually this past week. OK, Maybe. so fill me in on some of the details on this. Was Tesla supposed to be sold? I didn't know. I didn't even know that Tesla was. Um, so Tesla famously was accepting Bitcoin for transactions. And then he started doing his whole Dogecoin thing, which oh. really ultimately led to him saying, oh, Bitcoin, you know, it's not green enough for Tesla to accept transactions. OK, which is so funny because like it's not like Elon is even in support of that. And Bitcoin is actually due to a later story i will tell you is super green um so you're talking about they never sold their bitcoin they never sold what was on their balance sheet yes they had the asset of bitcoin and a ton of it and they never actually sold it um even though i believe it was like reported or somebody said they sold like half their bitcoin but they did not ever sell their bitcoin at least in q4 a lot of people moving over to noster a lot of bitcoiners moving over to noster lynn alden edward snowden all these people moving over to Noster. So maybe get an NPUB key. Maybe this Noster thing actually is taken off. Um, El Salvador paid back $800 million of debt, something that obviously every uh, traditional financier in the world is probably dreading. They were probably hating that. They were probably like, this guy, uh, he's going to default, lose all his money. He sucks, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't. He's probably pretty smart. He's, take, he's also going to take wasted energy, very green energy, and mine with it. And then he's going to give it back to his people in a bond structure. Do I think that that's the perfect way to do it? Do I think that he's perfect? No. Do I think he's at least the most interesting world leader? Do I think that he might actually be the only politician that's like, you know, like, I'm not going to do everything right. You know, everything about El Salvador is not right, but I'm going to clean up crime and I'm going to fix our money situation. That's about all I can do. And... We'll see if it works, but paying back $800 million of debt is something the United States couldn't even do right now. We're basically like a toddler who just got a credit card and we fill it all the way up to the top and we make that same amount of money a month. So we think that this is like a sustainable thing, just paying it off, paying it down or just making enough money. It's like, no, you know what that means? It's just this minus this equals, oh, you have zero. So we have zero. And uh, it is what it is. But the last story to report, Nick, on my front was Kazakhstan mining exodus. Uh, there was a bunch of illegal miners in Kazakhstan, but they were actually using a lot of fossil fuels. So while they did get raided or they got shut down or whatever, and that hash power is you know taken from the network, it did make Bitcoin like instantaneously four percent more green. And it is expected that Bitcoin continues to really, and this is not me being ESG. It's just that Bitcoin really does utilize the cheapest and wasted energy. It's not really here for, you know, it's not that fossil fuels can't mine Bitcoin or there's not a way to probably rig a Bitcoin miner onto some of the fossil fuel sites 
or oil mining sites or things of that nature. But Bitcoin ultimately is here for the cheapest in uh, energy that just gets wasted or unused energy. And we use fossil fuels. Fossil fuels is one of the best sources of energy we have as people because it is like uh, good in the sense that it actually has some portability and storability. And whereas a lot of other, you're right. Yeah. And a lot of other energies don't have any of that. You just mine and it. And, and you can expend the, the energy anytime. Right. So it's yeah. it's a little bit it's a little bit different. But hey. Pretty interesting. Bitcoin is green. Everybody can go to hell. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, Bitcoin mining is an energy revolution from an efficiency standpoint, but Bitcoin itself does not pick and choose which energy that it likes or does not like to consume. It consumes it all. So I'll leave you with that. But I don't know, man, that was about nine stories. A lot of stuff happening on Bitcoin. There's always a lot of stuff happening on Bitcoin. There is other stuff in the ecosystem that is uh, crypto, but this is not and this will never be a crypto show. We will die on this hill. Um, and if Ethereum ever becomes a thing, I won't buy it. I'll go be a farmer um, and I'll just I'll just produce eggs and you guys can pay me whatever I want. And <laughs> I'll move on that way. The United States is treasuries. The United States is T-bills and bonds and how we interact globally, uh, economies of scale, uh, just how we do trade, all kinds of things factor into our global economy, but it is really all based around a lot of people would believe treasuries, which I know Nick has done a bit of research about and has a story for us. But um, I'm just going to let you run with that one, Nick, because it's very interesting. Yeah. So I'll pull up <clears throat> this tweet here that initially made me think about it. And I've seen Dylan LeClaire post about this, you know, several times previously, but this is from January 19th. So, you know, nine days ago. And uh, he, he says, and here we go. And he posts this photo and it shows the 10 year, three month yield spread on the uh, on the 10 year uh, on the 10 year note and the, the three month note. Or I guess it's uh, I guess it'd be the 10, yeah, 10 year note and the three month bill, I think. Anyways, they're all treasuries, uh, but it's basically it's the yield. Uh, it's the yield on those and the spread between the two. And this has historically been used as a as a barometer of where the economy is and where it could be headed in the future. So he posted this photo and it shows the uh, that yield spread uh, chart up on top. So you can see the tech bubble burst in uh, the 2000s, right? You can see how low the the uh, the um, the spread between the two went and it actually went negative. And now uh, I, I'm, I'm going to get into some more detail here in just a second here. I'm just going to break down this picture before we get into it. And then the same thing happens right uh, as we enter the great financial crisis in 2007, 8, 9, right? You see that spread go negative there as well. Um, we see the same thing in uh, 2019, right as we're kind of entering that weird COVID time and look at where we're at today. So he shows this down here and it's, it's much further negative than it's ever been before. So you're thinking, ooh. What is this going to do? And then he also has a, a chart below this of the S&P 500. And he shows the price along with those times uh, of the S&P 500. So it shows the tech bubble burst and the inversion there, the negative inversion there. Um, and you see the market come down. The same thing is true with the great financial crisis. You see that uh, inversion rate go negative. Uh, it comes way down low and you see the price of Bitcoin or uh, uh, the price of the S&P go way down. Um, the same is true we see with that COVID like flash crash almost. And, uh, and there's, there's no reason that we would think 
that that the same is not going to happen when we see this again, right? And and I've been posting a lot about this um, with one guy on Twitter, uh, but you know the past does not dictate the future, but it can be used as a guide as to what may happen. Um, and so I think that this story is interesting in a few different ways. The first piece is that an inverted 10-year to three-month yield spread has historically signaled as a recession, uh, that there is a recession coming in the near future. So that's piece one. Piece two is who in the hell would part with their hard-earned money for 10 years when they could get a greater return for parting with their money for only three months? Isn't that a weird thought? But let's let's start with the, the, that second one first, because I think this one's really exciting. Uh, time preference, the degree to which we prefer today as compared to some point in the future, right? This time preference that we're thinking about impacts the decisions that we make day in, day out, decade after decade, right? This creates the generational uh, culture that we create for our family, right? Just think of it individually, us for our family. Having a high time preference means you prefer the shorter term versus the longer term, Okay. This is what being forced. This is what's being forced upon the people right now through this ten-year, three-month yield inversion, uh, or at least it's a, an indicator that that, th that this is what is happening. So uh, the ten-year to three-month uh, comparison is what is the yield on the ten-year uh, note, and what is the yield on the three-month bill, and what's the difference between these two? Right. That's it's as simple as that. And there may be there may be some more uh, in-depth calculation here. Um, so what is the comparison between the 10-year and the three-month? Well, we first have to look at what treasuries actually are uh, as we get into it. So a treasury's, uh, treasury securities are just loans to the federal government. That's all that it is. Maturities uh, or how long the loan will actually last, that's what maturities are when you think about uh, what is the maturity on this, on this uh, treasury. Um, that, that ranges from you know, several weeks uh, to as long as 30-year 30 30 bonds, right? Uh, but these loans are deemed as extremely safe because of their backing by the United States federal government, right? This is how the the federal government was able to, uh, the United States federal government was able to usher in the U.S. dollars, the world reserve currency. So it's seen, it's seen as a very safe. But uh, the 10-year note specifically is used as a proxy for, for many consumer loans, such as mortgages or even commercial investment loans, which is which is pretty interesting to think about. You know, a general rule of thumb is that you can add two percent to the ten-year Treasury yield, and that should be near the consumer borrowing rate for banks, which is kind of interesting. So, uh, you know, side note on on the ten-year, and I think I mentioned it earlier, uh, the ten-year is seen as an indicator of investor confidence, just in the market generally. Uh, so when the price drops, because for those of you that do not know, the bond market is is a little strange. One rule of thumb that, that you can look at whenever you're seeing, uh, when you're looking at bond charts, is that prices of bonds and yields of bonds operate inversely. So when price goes up, yield goes down. When price goes down, yield goes up. So they just operate inversely. Well, right now, when pr when the price of these bonds drop uh, drops and the yield increases, Look, the price drops because investors are finding better returns elsewhere in the market. And the opposite is true, right? When the price Spatial returns as well, is the market also deeming things to be safer than bonds at this point? Or I, I, I think that is partially what we could be seeing here. Um, and now, the, the shorter duration uh, to maturity treasury bills or T-bills for short 
are more liquid than the longer maturity notes and bonds, right? So the shorter you get, right, the more liquid it is just because you're locking your money up for less time. Um, and you can't always sell early at a premium or a discount based on what is trading. Uh, but these are generally held as a liquid dollar instrument um, in something like a, uh, like a money market account, right? It's the shorter duration, the shorter duration loans. Uh, but otherwise, they operate the same, if not, you know, extremely similar to the long maturity bonds. Um, but but here's the question, like, what what does this actually look like? So I'm going to pull this up for you guys. I'm going to share my screen again here. If you guys aren't watching, we've got video on Spotify and on YouTube. Come check us out. So here is the the spread here. It's the U.S. 10 year, three month spread. Um, and we're looking at just a, a one month chart here. So you can see uh, we're dropping from a high of negative 0.49 all the way down to our low right now at negative uh, 1.17. But I'm just going to click here and expand this. So there's the, there's your three-month we've fallen. Your six-month we have fallen. Uh, the one-year we have fallen. The five-year uh, is kind of up and down. But you can look at how sharp this decline is from, when is this, May of 22 to, uh, to now is an extremely sharp uh, drop. Now, let's look at all time here. And this kind of reflects that chart that Dylan LeClaire was showing in his tweet here. So, so right here is the 2000, is, is 1999, December of 1999. And this, this, uh, this yield spread drops all the way down to 0.14. Continuing here, so this is 2006 at the bottom of this yield uh, spread. Uh, well, that's, that's, uh, this is uh, March of 2007 here. And your yield spread is at 0.22. Again, super close. And now we're all the way down. You know, COVID drops down to 0%. We're at a 0%. Now that's, now that's December 18. So that's maybe a little before. But it, it, it shows, right? It kind of shows that, um, hey, it seems like there's something coming, right? There's uncertainty. And now we're at an all-time low, an all-time low of negative 1.17%, which is crazy. So... Uh, kind of coming back over to some some of my my own personal thoughts. Those charts are pretty wild. It's got data all the way back to, to 1984, around the time of the uh, you know the 1987 flash crash. They called that Black Monday. The the yield spread went from 3.5 percent difference right to 0.11 in early 1989, and today it's at its lowest that it's ever been. What could that mean? You know, I don't completely understand what, what it is that we're looking at and exactly how this works. From other things that I read, it's it's a notion that seems to say we don't have as much confidence in the treasury. So we're not going to lock up our, our money in treasuries for a long time. But we, we do still need dollars because we need dollars to be liquid and be able to buy and move around other assets, right? And that's why it seems like maybe people are moving from longer term treasuries in this case, the 10-year, to a shorter-term, more liquid three-month treasury, right? Uh, so I, it seems like people are getting more liquid and have less confidence in the treasury, which makes sense. But my final thoughts are this, time preference, short-term versus long-term. I think we're seeing uh, a lot of signs of short-term thinking and action in the world right now, just in general. Desperate attempts at taking all control, we're seeing that by the government. And who in the hell would lock up their money for 10 years when they could lock it up for three months and and get a greater return, right? Why would a 10-year note be yielding less than a three-month T-bill? Super weird. Everybody must be getting liquid is, is what it makes me think. Uh, but it makes sense based on what I'm seeing in the industry I work in. You know, I work in commercial construction, 
And we're for sure seeing a slowdown in certain sectors of construction. So maybe people are getting uncertain into the future, right? Uh, but the bad part is, you know, w the bad part is that what they are getting liquid with and into is an asset that is eternally leaking value. I think that people are going to start figuring now, that out, whether it's here coming quick or whether it's longer down the road. But I think that I think that people are going to start figuring out that this asset they're getting liquid into further further increases their time preference and exacerbates their problem of not having sound policies and principles and operations. And I think that people are going to start flooding into sounder forms of money. And that'll probably be gold. That'll probably be Bitcoin. That'll probably be, you know, other things like that, um, that, that store value that are not uh, inherently based in a fiat system. But man, that was, that was kind of some fun stuff to look into and, uh, and read about on the inversion spreads. But um, Griff, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, uh, I just got done ranting about how I don't like charts, but at the same time, I do like looking at them. They're very interesting things, uh, because like Nick said, the future is the future. The past is the past, but you can learn from the past. And what happens now? I think the thing is like a lot of people are asking that question, but the markets haven't crashed to satisfaction yet, or there haven't been as, enough big players go down, um, how is this relationship related to the Bank of Japan? How is it related to uh, the Chinese Communist Party? How is it related to other world governments and the fact that they own our debt? How does it relate to the fact that the United States only has about, eh, give or take, three or four trillion dollars in assets under management? And then you have to break down the fact that do they even own those assets? They're a government that's supposed to be a constitutional republic. So what do they actually own in a, in a country where we all have guns? So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things up for question, Nick. I mean, I don't I definitely don't doubt that. I think this was an informative Satoshi Saturday. Mm. I don't have any more thoughts. I learned a lot, actually, just from Nick. I'm glad that you just reported on that story. Um, batten down the hatches, everybody. OK, because my money's harder than yours. But if your money isn't harder than mine, um, times <laughs> like this do get pretty hard uh, for you. So, yeah, that's all I got, Nick. Absolutely. Stay disciplined, stack some sats, and we will see you next week. Peace.